and welcome to the February 25th, 2018 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life, but this is our podcast journey. Welcome, everybody, to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody, and again, welcome. Uh, it's nice to have everybody here with me tonight. Actually, today. I don't even know what time of day it is. Uh, uh, it's been a rough one. It's been a rough, rough day, I have to say. And the reason why it's been a rough day, to be honest with you, is because I've made it a rough day. That's the God's honest truth. Uh, I have absolutely brought this kind of a mood that I am in uh, upon myself. And, uh, you know, and I'll get into some of the details in a, in a couple of minutes. But I, I want to first make mention that uh, I had original plans to do an episode today completely different than what I'm going to talk about today. And as you know, that many of my podcasts, they more or less revolve around many of the experiences that have taken place in my life. And oftentimes I have to venture back into some of the different circumstances, whether they be moments of uh, drug abuse, drug addiction, uh, something that has along the lines to do with bipolar disorder symptoms, Whatever it may be, many, many times, unless I'm explaining my current state of mind uh, or my current mood or something that's going on in terms of my, um, you know, my children or my wife, again, usually I will venture into the past. And what I'll try to do is I'll try to educate people, um, whether it's trying to educate you and hopefully that you learn from my mistakes figure out some of the things that you might be doing right now in your present day uh, and compare them to some of the things that I might have done in my past and see how you might be able to alter those things and, you know, I guess view the consequences as to my actions and what they might have brought upon in my life, I am hopeful that you can make positive changes. Uh, so every once in a while, though, I will have a, a situation that is not necessarily directed towards a mood disorder or a mood, let me correct that, a, a mood on the bipolar spectrum, so to speak. Many times I'll discuss whether I'm feeling manic or depressive, or, and we'll get into those situations, again, basically centered around my current mood. But every once in a while I will bring up a current situation, and in this case, something that has transpired up until uh, only about an hour ago, uh, which has, again, changed my entire outlook or plan, so to speak, and what I was going to present to my podcast audience. As a matter of fact, I even went as far as tweeting what my episode was going to be today, and I had planned on doing an episode on opiates. That's something that we have definitely talked about throughout many of my podcasts, but I have not yet done an Opiate 101 episode. So that was my plan, 
and that is no longer my plan. And I will explain again why in a couple of minutes, but I, I do want you to know, for those of you who are looking forward to an opiate 101 podcast, you will be getting that, and you'll probably be getting that next. So uh, after this podcast, in, a, in another day or so, be sure to check back in because we'll be discussing opiates in great, great detail. And again, we'll be going back because I have not touched opiates since 2007. But you got to hear the whole story, and I'm going to give you the whole story about Mr. Joe's life and Mr. Joe's neighborhood, and then hopefully we can share this podcast journey together and figure out what we could do differently in our lives now to make our lives more productive and more meaningful and avoid some of the things that, you know, we, we should not be engaging in. Uh, so that's it. We, we're going to make a change. And before I talk about the incidents that took place just a little while ago, and, and the incidents revolve around my wife and around myself, and I'll give you the uh, gist of what we're going to talk about today, just so you, uh, you know, I take no offense as to whether or not you want to listen to this episode or not, but uh, I think it's important that I, I give it to you straight and tell you what we're going to talk about. We are going to talk about bipolar today, and we're going to talk about, I guess you could call it, uh, social anxiety is not the word. Um, it's going to involve anger management. It's going to involve isolation. It's going to involve socialization. And it's going to involve having and taking time for oneself when you have bipolar disorder. Now, if that's something that will interest you, then I urge you to stick with this podcast and come along for the ride because we're going to get into some great details about something that took place today. Some of it I'm not very proud of. I'm going to be completely honest with you. And I feel like I've been saying that a lot lately. I really do. Um, just, just so you understand, I have been in three days, three consecutive days of what I would refer to as a hypomanic state of mind. Nothing dangerous at all. Nothing really impulsive. Uh, nothing really uh, out of the ordinary. It's been quite an enjoyable ride, I have to tell you. And I don't know if it's hypomania. And the reason why I say it's hypomania is because I've had moments where I and I've explained this in the past, where I have this uh, incredible urge to speak and sing and kind of shout out things. Uh, people, some people would probably think it was some kind of a tick, to be honest with you. Uh, but it's it's that urge, and that's a lot of times the warning signs for me to let me know that I am on my way to a manic episode. However, it's more or less stayed in check, and I attribute that to the 100 milligrams of Lamictal that I am on, which is a good thing. I also know that my uh, my body, my brain, my chemistry has been a bit off because I did another drop in Suboxone, uh, and I am proud to say that in approximately, I would say 12, no, 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 16 days, 16 days, I will be completely coming off Suboxone. Now, the plan was to come off in June, but in 16 days, I will be coming off Suboxone, and I will be stopping it, and then I will be dosing again 24 hours later. I will be stopping, dosing again 36 hours later, stopping, dosing again 48 hours later, 
and then potentially just stopping altogether. But we'll get into that another time. So, again, there's been some definite things that have um, probably contributed to my mood swings. I think for the most part, though, I've been relatively stable. So, again, I don't know if I'm hypomanic. The only thing that would indicate that I am is that blurting out of certain phrases. And I would actually be embarrassed to do it for my podcast audience. I, I actually have that desire to do so now, but I won't do it. I won't do it because you don't need to hear it. It sounds ridiculous and it's silly. Uh, I do. I can also tell you that my silly paranoia that I have um, has almost turned into like an obsessive compulsive act, whereas I look at the clock and if my if my eyes are on the clock and it turns 8.20 or it's 8.20, I have this horrible feeling like somebody's watching me. This is potentially my schizoaffective disorder, if that's what I am. Uh, it hasn't gotten better, but it hasn't gotten worse. It's, it's Again, it's turned into more of an OCD where I just don't want to look at the clock, kind of hide from it, make sure that nobody's watching. Uh, and again, I don't know if it's if, if I truly even believe that. So it's something interesting, something to keep keep monitoring and, and, and keep a hold on and make sure that it doesn't uh, progress anywhere. So anyway, let's start by talking about my life in terms of what, uh, what, what I deal with with my children, my wife, my current living situation, uh, because it's important that I set the stage in order to let you know what has transpired today. Now, I know I have probably described in the past all the way back to my first episode, which, to be honest, I don't even want to listen to that one, Autism 101. Uh, I, I feel like I was very down in that episode, and I'm almost frightened to go back to it because I believe I was speaking rather slowly. I don't want to say I was in a depressive state of mind, but it's quite possible that I had been smoking marijuana still at the time, so God only knows what I sounded like. I do know that I had had a, a different set of circumstances that I was going to do in terms of podcasting for my audience. It was going to be called Remarried with Children, and uh, I've ultimately changed that as I've wanted to expose the fact that I have bipolar disorder because I felt like that would help people more. So uh, you know all my kids, you know my situation, that I am divorced, and I want you to understand basically what goes on in this household when it comes to my my wife now and my children that are from from my previous marriage very important that i set the stage so as you know i have a 10 month old and happy birthday to mickey today or happy 10 month old birthday to mickey he turned 10 months old today so it's just a wonderful thing he's doing great continues to do well uh, and as you know i also have a 14 year old and a 12 year old now my 14 year old and my 12 year old are from my previous marriage and I've spoken a little bit about my horrific divorce that took place, and, you know, I'm sure there's been worse, some better, some worse. It wasn't the worst thing in the world in terms of confrontation. She certainly wasn't easy. But one of the things that was never difficult was obtaining my children. And I, I say that because I, I truly believe as much as my ex-wife loves her children, or our children, I should say, uh, you know, she never uh, never gave a, gave me a fight when it came to seeing my children. Now, when I had first separated from my wife, it's important for you to know that I immediately started paying child support. Even though I was not mandated by court, uh, there was no order in place. The, moment, the, the very second I walked out of that house, 
Um, and I say that with all due respect, walked out of that house. Uh, I don't mean it to sound like that, but that is the God's honest truth. I walked out for a third time because I couldn't take living there anymore. Some of it due to my bipolar disorder and some of it due to her instability as well. Just wasn't, you know, wasn't a match, wasn't a match. And we decided that. Um, and, you know, I walked out and she was certainly ha happy to have me out. So the moment I walked out, I started paying child support without an order. And one of the other things that I would do is every single weekend, I would want to have my children with me. And I made sure of it, and my ex-wife gave me no problem. She was happy to give them up, because the God's honest truth is when I was home with my ex-wife and previously married, I was working anywhere between 42 hours and 60 hours a week, and my ex-wife was home for the first seven years of our marriage, and um, I'm not indicating here that we should have been living a 1950s or 60s or 70s style lifestyle like my parents lived, where dinner was on the table at 5 o'clock, and... You know, the man went out to work and the mother took care of the children, sent us off to school and packed our lunches. But what we had agreed upon was I was going to be the working man and my ex-wife was going to be the working woman at home raising our children. And things didn't really work out that way. And I, I do truly believe that that did lead to the downfall of our marriage, among many other things, because... I worked a 42 to 60 hour work week, and unfortunately for me, there was never dinner. Uh, you know, I was handed the children as soon as I got home, and I kind of loved every minute of it, to be honest with you. What I didn't love about it was the fact that a lot of times there was not dinner made. So while I was taking care of the children, as soon as I walked in the door, I had to cook, I had to clean, I had to do a lot of things that my ex-wife just did not want to do. Uh, I, I remember, I recall very vividly my ex-wife sleeping in the morning as alarm clocks would go off and I would get the kids up and I would make the breakfast and I would pack the lunches until I finally realized that making lunches the night before was the more effective way to do things. I would alter my schedule so that, and this is when I was a uh, 1099 and I had my own business, and I was able to, and by the way, I did that for 13 years, just so you're aware. I was able to alter my schedule so that I could get my children on the bus. Uh, and I even remember altering my schedule to get my daughter on the bus, uh, Sarah Lee. And at the time when my son was not yet going to the same school as my daughter, my older son, I would drive him to preschool, and then after I dropped him off, you know, the only responsibility my ex-wife had was to go pick him up and take care of them until my, take care of him until my daughter would get home, and uh, I don't want to sound like as if my ex-wife did nothing at all, because I'm sure there were moments where she did. I just don't recall them. <laughs> I just don't recall them, and I'm probably wrong. I mean, there's, there is definitely times where I don't want to say there was happiness because there was not a whole lot of happiness with me and my ex-wife. Uh, and, and my mother contributed to a lot of that. There were basically times, uh, in, in addition to me coming home, I would come home and my ex-wife would be standing at the door with the children in arms. And the minute I walked in the door, she'd be screaming and yelling at me about my mother and uh, what my, my mother would do to her. Um, and, 
you know, I'd be caught in the middle up until I finally couldn't take any more, and I discovered cocaine thanks to my ex-wife, and I just started snorting my wife, my life away, to be honest with you, because it just seemed easier that way. So nevertheless, uh, going off on a little bit of a tangent here, I had my children every single weekend. In addition to that, and, and it still remains the same, I do not have them every weekend any longer. It's every other weekend as per the mandated divorce agreement. But one of the things that I've maintained throughout the entire separation and divorce is every single vacation, spring break, midwinter break, uh, winter break, holidays, all those things that uh, they get during the school year, I am with the children the entire week. And it's always been that way, and I've always taken them, and that's the way I want it. I'm not with my, my babies, and they're not babies anymore. But five years ago, it was a little bit easier to say that, that I'm not with my babies during the week like I used to be. It's not an easy thing as a divorced father, especially when you're extremely involved in your children's life and you're the one that lays in bed with them and reads them a bedtime story every night. You're the one that tucks them into bed and I can no longer look at them in the eyes and give them a kiss goodnight. And as the years have gone on, as the last five years have gone on, it's, been, it's gotten a little bit easier because they've gotten older. And it's now been conformed to the fact that it's a text message and a, and a phone call. I call them every single night. There has never been a night where I have not called my children to say goodnight. But the one thing that has changed is one of the things that I was doing in the first two years of my separation... Uh, as I was living with my current wife now, was we were taking them during the summer months as well. And I don't believe, I don't, I can't remember if it was the first two or three years, I'm not sure. But uh, after three years, I had, had, I had to give that up because what was happening was I was still paying child support during those summer months. So finally, after three years, me and uh, my current wife had kind of gotten sick of the fact that, never got sick of my children, we literally could not live. We could not afford it anymore because we wanted to entertain my children. We wanted to take care of them, and we had to support them. We had to support their basic needs. And finally, after three years, I smartened up, and I said, what am I paying this woman child support for during three or four months of the summer when they're never with their mother? Uh, so it became a little absurd to me, and unfortunately, I had to give up those those rights, uh, and and we maintained the schedule where it's every other weekend during the summers, and of course, there are several weeks during the summer where I take them, two, three weeks at a time. Um, I am not one of those fathers that penny pinches when it comes to child support. It's my order, and that's that and I have to pay my child support. It doesn't matter how many weeks, how many months, whatever the case may be, it's, it is what it is, and i got to pay child support. My wife right now uh, is extremely supportive of that. She's, she views it just as me and thinks it's just as important for me to be a man and for me to be that father, and, uh, you know, I, it doesn't really matter what my ex-wife is doing with the money. I mean, I know I should probably want to believe that she's supporting the children and I want to hope but it's not my business nor my place to wonder what she is doing with that money I've been ordered to pay it and I have to pay it so 
Um, as you, uh, if, depending on where you might live in the world, if you haven't known or if you don't know, this past week was considered to be a vacation week from school. So, of course, my children were with me, as they always are. And I'm going to tell you, I work very hard. I do. And if you haven't figured it out by now, the population that I work with is not easy. Uh, forget about the fact that I work with a lot of, a lot of wackadoos, to say the least. Um, you know, the, the children and, and the adults that have disabilities that I work with are not easy as well. I love it. I absolutely love it. But just like everybody else who's probably listening to this podcast, we all work hard. This is not a Mr. Joe Sob story. I think we all work hard. Um, I work hard because I, for many reasons, one, because I have to support my children, and two, because I spent so many years bouncing around from job to job. Now, although I've never, um, let's, let's put it this way, I've never been written up for a job. Uh, I've never done anything wrong, quote-unquote, in a job. Any transition that I made, whether it be from independent contracting to administrative, whatever whatever transition there ever was, was never an easy one. And I, I spent many, many years of my employment, no matter who I was working for, no matter where I was, whether it was independently, you know, you're always working for somebody else. And I spent many, many years um, screwing up, to say the least. And what I mean by screwing up, a lot of times it was, it was not not it was not fo- not following the rules. It was bipolar-based problems. And for those of you who have bipolar disorder, you can understand that. And uh, I, I can't forget drug addiction, drug addiction problems. And whether it was I couldn't get the drugs that I wanted to at one particular time or another, so I had to call in sick or because I was going through a, some kind of a mood episode. And it didn't have to just be depression. It could have been mania as well. It could have been mania where, you know, I, I, I remember, I recall driving around and wanting to go from place to place to shop, Kmart to Walmart to Target, and like, like a lunatic, collecting DVDs and computer parts and headphones and TVs and, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff that obviously contributed to putting me in a tremendous amount of debt when I was married to my ex-wife I would go ahead and do those things and call in sick to work and at some point uh, it it got old you know and and a lot of times you know the stability that came with employment was not not real great Uh, now again I always moved on to I don't want to say bigger and better things, or at least at the time, I would always say they were bigger and better things. Well, you know, I didn't want that family anymore. I didn't want that job anymore. And, you know, this is better for me. Um, so, you know, if you, for those of you who can uh, understand that, you'll, you'll follow along perfectly with this story as I progress towards the whole idea of what this is all about. Uh, so what, what I was saying is I work hard, and I work hard hard now, just like everybody else, the the things that make it more difficult is because I live my life with a little bit of paranoia. As good as I may be at my job, I'm always thinking that I'm getting fired for no reason whatsoever. I mean, I'm always worried about my position, even though I've gotten three um, wonderful promotions thus far. You know, I'm always worried. But with that being said, I know I am a valuable asset to my company. 
and uh, I look forward to my vacations with my children. I really do. And this was no different. So I had this wonderful vacation with my children. Uh, but please don't think any differently of me. One of the things I've started to realize is that because I am with my children during the week, and because during the week, uh, during the vacations, let me correct myself, because I'm with my children during the vacations and every other weekend, when I am not with them, my, my job continues as somebody who goes out and works and continues as soon as I walk in this door. And again, I don't want to feel sorry for Mr. Joe here, but it is not easy at the age of 42 years old having a 10-month-old. I have, I have made this bed, and I have to lie in it, and I am so glad to be sleeping in it. Let's put it that way. I would not trade this life for anything. I am so in love with my wife. I am so in love with my 10-month-old. I am appreciative of the fact that I can come home and my wife can hand me over my child and she can go out and work. And I look at her and I say, man, you know, you are so much different than my ex-wife because dinner is made every single day, no matter how hard she works during the day, because she still works from home during the day. She puts up with my 10-month-old who, um, you know, although he's a very well-behaved little guy, he's also a very smart guy. He's exploring. He's all over the place. He had some horrible gastrointestinal issues. He was colicky. You know, this is a young little boy who cried for 10 to 12 hours a day. That went on for three months, and we were a tag team. Now, it's not like that anymore, but anybody who has a 10-month-old or a baby knows that not only is it easy to raise a child all day long and have the patience to be with one, but to also work from home and do a job, you got to be damn good to do what you do. And that is my wife. She's amazing. So regardless of what mood I may be in, regardless of what swing I am in, whether it be depression or whether it be mania, I walk into my house and I accept my 10-month-old with open arms. Now, again, it's not easy. There are times when I am counting down those minutes as to when my wife will walk in the door. And not because I want to hand him back, but because we are a team. And I, I realize that I function and operate so much better when she is with me. So it's not that I want to hand him back over. I just need her with me a lot of times. Um, and and uh, I'm not going to get into why. Some of it is my anxiety. Uh, most of it is my anxiety. I worry about too many things, guys. I'm looking around this room right now. I happen to be up in Junior's room right now. And I've had a vacuum plugged in that I started to do before. And it's been getting to me now because I never finished it. And it's driving me absolutely mad. But I forced myself to do this podcast. And the same rings true when I'm with my 10-month-old. i got to remember he's a baby. And as, as demanding as a baby may be, you know, I should be the one in charge. And I don't always have to hold his arm, hands, and walk him around. And, um, you know, every time he cries, pick him up and... But I do, I do. I cater to him because my anxiety sometimes gets the best of me. So now if I have not painted the picture for you well enough to know that my life is filled with a tremendous amount of stress, no different from anybody else that is listening to this podcast. So I'm not looking for sympathy 
at all from anybody. I'm just telling you that my life is stressful just like everybody else's, and the way that we handle stress is very differently than the way that somebody without bipolar handles stress. Now, what I will say is up until my wife today reminded me that there were two other occasions in which I pulled what I pulled today, there has never been a time in the five, almost six years that we have been together that I have, let's put it this way, said no to doing something, whether it be going to a wedding, a birthday party, a family get-together, like today was just a simple lunch that was going to take place with her mother and her father. And if you haven't figured it out by now, I'm not there, okay? Her sister was going to be there, her fiancé. Very, very simple, nothing big. Now, this is not to say, you guys have to remember, I am medicated now. Pre-medicated, the weddings, the birthday parties. There were times, and I don't know for those of you who, you know, can't understand, unless you have bipolar disorder, or unless you love somebody with bipolar disorder, this will certainly make sense to you even more so for those of you who may be living with somebody with bipolar disorder, I put up fights with every single thing that we had to do. I caused fights. I didn't want to go. I would cause scenes when I would get there. I would be miserable. I'd have a mug on my face. I didn't want to go. Uh, I gave every reason in the world as why I didn't. I would blame my wife for everything. I hated her at the moment. I hated the fact that she made me go. How dare you? You don't understand. I'm not interested. I don't want to be around those effing people. Okay, everything that you can imagine. And that slowly started to get better as I became more and more in love with my wife because I wanted to please her. However, when you're bipolar, pleasing somebody doesn't go over very well, especially when your brain chemistry takes over. Now, my wife did remind me that there were two major things, keep in mind again, that this was pre-medication in which I really um, kind of bailed out on her. And one of them I remember particularly was Mother's Day, and this was before she was a mother. This happened to do with her own mom, and it was also one of the first or second years that I had been away from my own mom because uh, there was a time when I had an order of protection against my mother. And uh, I was not, I had not seen her for several years. And I believe it was either the first, it must have been the first Mother's Day that I was not spending with my mom. And I was extremely depressed over it. And we had plans to go to some horse racetrack, which, again, I am not interested in at all, okay? And for those of you who might gamble on horses, okay, I, I commend you. I was fine. You know, everybody can have their own fun, but it's something that does not interest me. But it's something that her family, who, by the way, I am convinced that most of the people on her dad's side of the family, including her father, have a gambling problem. But they love to go to the horses. And for this particular Mother's Day, I wanted no part of it. And I caused the scene. And I made my wife go alone. And I did not go. I had the respect, at least, to call her mother and apologize and say, I'm sorry, today's a rough day. And, you know, her mother understood. Her mother understood, and she let it go, and we never brought it up again. One of the other things that I bailed out on, and again, I was reminded of this today by my wife, was her sister's college graduation. And I actually forgot about that one. Um, 
as a matter of fact, it took me up until now to remember how I actually acted that particular day. And some of the screaming that went on was, why the F do I have to see her graduate? Nobody came to F and see me graduate. I don't give an F about her graduation. I didn't even care about my own college graduation. The most horrible things in the world that you can imagine. So, what you need to remember here is that my wife has dealt with, and although far and few in between, lots of circumstances in which I was not very easygoing when it came to going out. Now, brings me to present day today. Um, I will say that it is still rather difficult for me to go out to certain things unless I am in a very manicky state of mind. And, and I don't have to describe that to anybody. I think you all understand where I'm coming from when I say that. If I'm in the mood and I'm social, I got no problem. I'll go all night. I mean, I, you know, I went to the library the other day. Whoa, yeah. I mean, it was like a party in the library. You know, I was talking to every single person under the sun. But when I'm not in the mood, I anticipate what it's going to be like. And I'm not sure if those of you out there listening can understand, but I will basically devise or come up with a plan in my head or a scenario in my head is the better way to say it of what is going to take place and who's going to annoy me and what conversations are going to be had and how I'm going to get angry at those people who have conversations. Now, with medication, that has gotten much better. But I will tell you, that is still very difficult for me to do. So again, let me bring you to present day up until now, about an hour and a half ago, since we've been doing this for about 33 minutes, we've been talking together. I knew that my wife's sister has not seen my son in quite some time, and she is the godmother of my son. And, you know, back in the day, I used to, I used to, and when I say back in the day, early, early in my son's life, which was not too long ago, he's only 10 months ago, I used to say horrible things. You know, why do we got to go to them? Why can't they come to us? You know, um, even today, I mean, I said something horrible. You know, I wouldn't want to take a 10-month-old out in the rain. I don't know. It's rude of them to even... Silly, silly things that should not be said. But I'm okay with it. Her sister hasn't seen my, my son in a long time. You want to go? By all means, go. Okay? Now, what happened was, I woke up today... And I, quite honestly, was not in the mood. I really wasn't. I was not in the mood. And what I made sure that I did, as compared to all the other times in the past, pre-medication, now you got to remember, I've been medicated now for quite a few months, so for the most part, all the trips that we have taken, regardless of where they have been, over the course of, I'd say, since... December, uh, maybe a little bit even before, probably because I was on a good manic swing at the time, I have been very compliant, <laughs> and I haven't given any hard times, I've gone with a smile on my face, even if I didn't want to smile, I, I played the role, I never started with my wife, um, I've been, quote unquote, for lack of better terms, a very good boy, uh, and it has made her extremely happy and in turn it has made me extremely happy because I love when my wife doesn't have to see me miserable I love when my wife doesn't have to 
uh, hear me make excuses as to why I wanted to go. So today, I took a different approach. Now remember, I'm not looking for sympathy here, but as you have heard, I spend a lot of time with my children. And when I'm not with my children, I am doing nothing but working. So today, I wanted to stay home. It's, it's only a couple of hours, not a big deal. I cannot recall the last time that I had this amount of time to myself. To be honest with you, and maybe it's because it's my own problem, my own personality, a lot of times when I do these podcasts, I will wait for my wife to go to sleep, and I will sneak up. Not that she will be mad at me for doing it, but my paranoia sets in, and I feel like I'm not pleasing her if I was to walk away and do a podcast. Now, there have been several times where my wife has said to me, go do your podcast. Go, go, go. So you would think that I wouldn't feel that way because she's never given me a hard time about it. But instead, my own guilty conscience, for some reason, causes me to wait until she'll fall asleep and then I'll sneak out of the bedroom and I'll come upstairs. And again, a lot of it has to do with my paranoia and because I never want anybody to be upset with me, especially my wife. But today, I put my foot down, but I put my foot down in a good way. And I said to my wife, instead of yelling and screaming and arguing, I said, I would like to stay home today. Do you mind if I stay home today? I really don't want to go. I'm just not into it today. I want to have some time for myself. And her response was not what I anticipated it to be. And what she ended up doing was... She said, well, I don't understand why you said you wanted to go. And I said, well, I said I, I wanted to go originally because I did, but now I don't. So then I immediately found myself giving her all the reasons as to why I didn't want to go. I want to do laundry. I want to catch up on my reports. Really, in my head, I was thinking about vacuuming. It's very sad. But I wanted to, I really did. I wanted to fold laundry. I wanted to take a shower. Um, I wanted to, not that I can't do these things while she's around, I wanted to shave. I wanted to do all these things without a 10-month-old hanging off my legs. And I just wanted some time to myself. And while she didn't cause a fight with me, I could see that she was not very happy. And, you know, she got into the shower. And at this point, I had already decided that I wasn't going. And she accepted it. And then she came out of the shower, and I tried talking to her, and she was rather short. And one thing led to another, and what do you think happened? And for those of you who can't imagine, I'll just give it to you straight. Mr. Joe exploded. Mr. Joe absolutely exploded. And I said some horrible, horrible things that I absolutely regret saying. Things that I, I honestly, I don't even remember. I know it was mean it was obnoxious, and, you know, a lot of it was... I actually made my 10-month-old cry because I yelled so loud and screamed so loud. I don't know what you can't understand. All I wanted was a day alone. All I wanted was a day to myself. You know, and, and well, you had time to yourself, she yelled back at me. You had a whole week with your kids. And I said, well, that's not with myself. And she turned around and was mean back to me and said, well, you should have taken a day for yourself. I don't know why you have to always spend it with your kids. That got me on a rampage. And I said, well, how dare you? You know, what would I, what, 
what what would you do if the only time that you had to spend with your children, I told you to spend it alone? I don't want to spend it alone when I have that opportunity. Those are not the times that I want to spend it alone. Um, and then she even threw in my face that I was taking time away from our son by not joining her on this little family excursion. Um, and again, I don't know if she's right or wrong, but what I do know is that my response was not a good one. Not a good one at all. Um, and there were a lot of cursing and a lot of screaming and a lot of slamming doors. Um, she cried for a moment, not for very long, a brief moment. It made me feel absolutely horrible. Now, and all, really all she did was, once she was a little cold to me, that's when the anger started coming and, you know, I started uh, started almost dictating how she felt. And I said, I don't know why you have to give me an attitude. She, uh, and, and she said, I'm not giving you an attitude, but I don't want to lie to you either. She said, I, I don't, I'm not going to pretend that I'm happy when I'm not. And she told me that I don't value family time and this and that. And I got to tell you, one thing I'm wrong about is the way that I reacted. I'm embarrassed. Um, I'm, I'm ashamed. I screamed. I yelled. I just don't understand, guys, why we act the way that we do. Why that rage comes out in us. I can't for the life of me understand it because I approached it in such a good way. And so what? So what? She didn't approach it back the way that I anticipated that she would. I wish she would have. I wish she would understand that I just wanted a day. I just wanted a day to myself to be alone. And what's funny is, at the very end, right before she left, she brought little Mickey over to me. She said, give Daddy a kiss goodbye. And I gave him a kiss. And I kissed her. And I said I was sorry to my son. And I didn't say I was sorry to my wife. And I'll tell you why. Not out of, and, and, and pre-medication, it would have been spitefulness. I didn't say I was sorry, not because I didn't feel sorry, but because sorry gets very, very old. Do you know how many times we as bipolar people have exploded only to feel remorse and guilt afterwards? And I felt the same exact guilt and remorse this time around. And the reason why I didn't say sorry is because she, she told me about 10 minutes before, Later on, I'm going to come home and you're going to apologize because that's what we do. We act like lunatics. We act like raging fools. Our reactions escalate. And when I turned to her, I said, all I wanted was a day alone for myself. And she turned to me and she said, well, if you would have asked me like that, this would have went a lot differently. Now. Guys, maybe I am this crazy, but I could swear that that's what I did. And when she said that to me, my rage and my anger immediately, and I, I would think that this has to do with my mixed state and the rapid cycling that I, that I deal with, instantly transitioned over to complete and utter sadness. And I cried, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried, I was actually uh, folding laundry for little Mickey. What had started in a rageful, in a rageful, vindictive folding escapade. As, because originally I was yelling. This is, I started folding laundry and yelling. And I was folding his pants over and getting mad at the pants and 
mad at the pajamas and you know folding them and folding them and and separating them and now after she said what she said all he had to do was say it that way made me think two things one am i that crazy that i that my perception is so off that maybe i didn't present it the way i just presented it originally and if that is the case the second thing that i thought about was how incredibly sad it is that we don't even recognize our own behavior so i don't know i don't know the answer i just gave you the story the way that i remember it and rather than apologize to my wife right away when she comes home because i am going to owe her an apology i think the first thing that i have to ask her is i have to ask her in a very kind and nice and calm way i have to say to her you know before you left you said to me i wish you would have asked that way because then this would have never turned into this but i swear to you everybody I know that I asked that way and if I didn't then I am a lot crazier than I think I am. I am a lot more angry and irritable than I think I am. Now, I believe that it turned into something rageful and violent real quick because I did not get the answer or the reaction that I wanted. But I believe that I did approach this in a calm manner. and i expected my wife to understand that i just wanted a day for myself so i guess the question is am i right or am i wrong i don't know that answer reach out mr joe bp at yahoo.com let me know what you think is mr joe right or is he wrong i'm going to follow up with this and let you know after i speak to my wife thanks for listening everybody Have a great day. Say I love you.